You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Knife here with Always. Typical Lydia. Today's show, we're going to be doing the 2013, not a classic, hasn't earned it yet, WNUF's Halloween special. And here we are with the Wes and Lydia Dead Air Splatter Pictures Halloween special of our own. It is our Halloween special, but it's not that special. Because loyal listeners of the show will know that we typically use Halloween to unlock the dead air vault. It's like the Disney vault, except it's full of movies we don't own. And we pull out movies that are big, bigger than big. How big? What about Halloween? What about Texas Chainsaw Massacre? What about Friday the 13th? What about all those crazy movies and their sequels? Um, those are the types of movies we pull out of the Dead Air Vault, and we do commentary tracks. No one asked us to. It was my idea. Yeah, yeah, but... yeah. No one asked us to. I certainly didn't. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so you must be happy with this, because we're not doing a commentary track this year, if you must know, dear listeners. And by the way, just because we're not doing it this year doesn't mean we're not doing it. It just means that we're moving things aside but we still wanted to make halloween fun for you so we're doing a movie that um is modern for starters and then we're also not doing a commentary track so we decided to do cult classic-y beloved by a section of the horror communities wnuf's halloween special because it's very halloweeny it's it's a very halloween movie so (laughs) i thought we'd do that because i didn't have another fucking idea we were going to do the omen I forgot to mention that. That was what we were going to do. It is. Uh, that, that is exactly what we were going to do. And it has a special place in both of our hearts. And we have a wonderful set, uh, thanks to Chris, that we could watch, that we had planned on watching. And, yeah. oh, well, we'll, like I said, shove it aside for now. And between, you know, some of these Halloween specials that are like Halloween specials of yore, um, this is, I don't know... This and Ghost Watch occupy yeah. the same sort of space. I I'm yeah. very scared. Ghost Watch is scary. Ghost Watch is unsettling, and Ghost Watch is done so well, and it's it's kind of surreal by the end. Where this yeah. is a lot more fun. So here we are having fun. <laughs> <laughs> here we are having fun. Uh, yeah, that was exactly what I was going to say about Ghost Watch. Um, I actually was a little disappointed that um, Shudder didn't have Ghost Watch on it anymore. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to rewatch it just before uh, we we started, but I, I, I have seen Ghost Watch before, and I think the biggest difference is, is um, Ghost Watch, uh, which, if audiences, if you don't know, is the same sort of thing. It was a, a, a tele... Well, it, it, it's different in the sense that this 
Ghostwatch actually did air on television in the UK as a special um, and uh, actually had a little bit of notoriety because it wasn't unlike the uh, War of the Worlds broadcast in which there was a very small section that thought this broadcast was quite real about uh, a haunting. If you guys have seen, uh, what was the what was that house lids, uh, the famous haunting in the UK that they did the conjuring to about? What was that? Yeah, I just can't remember the name of it off the top. Me, but, me either. Yeah. But Ghost Watch is like that. It's a family uh, in in a house that is allegedly haunted. And then by the end of it, it's like, what is it like? The people who are calling into the show are experiencing their own paranormal phenomena because people are like concentrating on this house and it's like making like paranormal phenomena erupt in like the studio at the end of ghost watch basically like erupts into like wind and lightning and all that kind of stuff yeah the thing that i love the most about ghost watch is the sort of dry british host like he's he's just trying to maintain that like uh, very uh, you know quite uh, stiff upper lip as he's trying to uh, you know continue this uh, rather extraordinary uh, broadcast uh, it's just so fun to watch. Oh, it's this? great. It's really great. Like, especially they have like this call center set up that they would use for like yeah. a telethon or something. So it's like having people <laughs> yeah. call in with their questions. And everyone is very prim and proper on this where or on Ghostwatch. So like this is like the opposite in many ways because it's oh. very down home. It, this is Ghostwatch is more like the world of like. British Academia and WNUF is like a carnival. It is it is <laughs> the the same the same sort of quality, not in production, because I'll get to the quality of the production, which is really remarkable in terms of what it's presenting as reality, but there's just like, you know, this 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 movie is riddled with um like local TV ads that you would see running at like three o'clock in the morning for like, you know, furniture stores and stuff like that. That's the whole, the, the amateurishness that they're presenting is, is really where I find WNUF's Halloween special is incredible. The story is pretty basic Oh, it's um, too basic in a way, because if we were going to talk about the story, we'd be here for about 10 minutes. It runs 80 minutes. The budget was $1,500. And that yeah. was that would really be the beginning and end of it. And we'd have some more parallels to Ghostwatch. <laughs> but yeah, because yeah, it's not about the story necessarily. Like you, you can go to this film and watch WNUF Halloween special for the story. Which mm-hmm. we'll get to. Um, yeah. But it's really, you know, from the hop, it will enrapture you with its, you know, duplicity of this super hyper local television broadcast that's happening. Like we, we had MCTV uh, news channel and local TV channel in North Bay, which was what this is, right? What was the yeah, channel like, here? I don't know. Like, because like CTV is what broadcasts out of Ottawa, right? Yeah. And that's the TV station that you see everything at. But because Ottawa is the the capital, right? But like the banter, the production 
on like the interior of the uh, broadcast room is a little bit different from but like the the streeters are all kind of the same level of quality right you always had like you know like fucking like weird like awkward banter between like the people in like max keeping and jj clark and stuff like that but uh, um, max keeping <laughs> yeah i remember that guy i think it was that in um in ottawa well it wasn't ctv but there's like a local what's the the other is it ctv where i can't remember but but like the hyper ottawa local like own... ottawa there's um yeah I want to say like CJOH or something like that. CJOH. Yes, it, it was CJOH. That's what it was. And um, and that was where you got like, you know, that's where you could, as someone who grew up in Ottawa, Canada, that's where you could like uh, sit there and be like, oh, I know that restaurant. Oh, I know that street. Or I know where they're standing because yeah. it, it's all taking place. But, you know. It kind of got marred in the fact that, like, you know, they combined it with a lot of, like, national news. But, like, it definitely was more, like, local. And they had, like, the happiness file. I don't know if they still do it. But, like, where they it's, like, this old lady's, like, 104 years old. Happy birthday. <laughs> like, it's it's that. And it really reminds you. I'm, like, oh, my God. Do people in Ottawa ever die? Yeah, it is CJOH. Oh, my God. As if, and that is a CTV affiliate. So you're on the mm-hmm. mark. We both got that right. Um, yeah. There was CHCH was uh, a Hamilton TV that we would tune into as well. And it was just a mm-hmm. step up from the Mid-Canada Television uh, MCTV, which turned into CTV, eventually became an affiliate like anything else. And we also had another channel from Kojiko. And I think there's Kojiko channels here as well. And a City TV, because there's City TV in Toronto, which... Yeah. It is a step up, like a big step up from what we had in North Bay. So this channel, the WNUF uh, of Mm -hmm. Lore, is a very like small, small town. And considering where the filmmaker came from, he's from somewhere in Maryland and likely a very small town. So this is the sort of stuff that he grew up on and so many people in Mm -hmm. the area. And there's a lot more public access television networks in the States than there are here. They they talk about uh, public access, um, you know, w- which again is something that's you know some of our younger listeners would be like, what the fuck is public access? And like back in the day when, you know, studio uh, cable stations like had to open their doors to like anyone, they had to do it. They had to allow like for local television as as a required by law for them to have a cable station, and the TV shows were fucking bizarre. They were weird because it was like basically they, like it was like a screen door left ajar that people could just wander into the damn studio and make a television show. It was what like the idea around like Wayne's World was. It was that was just like a, a public access uh, fictional show on Snull. If you guys are Snull fans, but like uh, or UHF I, by uh, Weird Al. Yes, UHF. That's another really great like super deep cut example for people who are not. Who people who are under thirty are like what? But um, <laughs> sorry guys, that or you know what? Along with WNUF, all this shit is new again. So we could be the lesser UHF fans out there. There's probably a whole new fan of the mop out there. It's true. It probably it's probably exactly like that. Um, I think one of the things that this film does better than the story itself 
is the presentation of this local broadcast because I sat here watching it thinking, man, it's been a while since I've watched like local television. I don't have, you turn on my TV and it's static unless I go to some kind of streaming service uh, or YouTube or something like that. I don't watch local news broadcasts unless it's like a soundbite off of YouTube or something like that. Like maybe, Maybe if there's a big story um, happening in Ottawa, I'll watch a live feed. But again, it's from the internet. That's how I observe things. So, like, you know, the 6 o'clock news is not something that I, I don't know. Like, my, my dad would have still been alive. So let's, like, you know, eight years ago, maybe it was the last time I saw, like, a local broadcast. And... I, I like I don't miss it, but it was also very nostalgic. What I did love was also the little hints of again mentioning public access. They refer to a guy's PTSD as shell shock. Like <laughs> there's like little little details like that, which I'm like, yeah, you know, language has changed uh, over time. So and what was normal then is now, you know, antiques. Very much so. So are the the equipments that they're using for this, using old Morant systems, using yep. the huge. Well, you're wearing cans. Like I'm not wearing cans. I'm wearing the low profile. Uh, this year, next gen fucking earbuds. <laughs> the what they're using the 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 cameras that they're using. You can tell the fact that this is a VHS copy of a of a copy of a copy is very apparent. Um, yeah, th- that it is being shown to us, the viewer, by the viewer who is uh, using a, a, a VCR, quite obviously. Um, all of the equipment, which we'll get into, uh, that the ghost hunters, who we'll introduce in a minute, <laughs> are using, yeah. is antiquated. Oh my God. Yeah. Ghost hunting has come leaps and bounds. And it was already yeah. very, very different in 2013. But. Um, I do want to point out if if someone if you're very into this movie and you want to eat up all you can about WNUF, uh, Bind Torture Cast did a really great Halloween special the year after this came out. So in 2014, if you go all the way back to 20 fucking 14 and tune into Bind Torture Cast episode 59, they cover this and. Woo. Yeah, Chris has uh, spoken with the director, and it's uh, just one state over, you know. And they had hit a VHS um, convention in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And not only do they go about this movie and making this movie in a very low-fi way and present it in a low-fi way, even the campaigning for its popularity and the advertising that they had done was very lo-fi handing things out on cassette tapes and uh, you know it was available as vhs you can get a vhs copy of this they left vhs Mm -hmm. copies just here and there around the towns to start a viral whisper campaign very very lo-fi everything about it's fucking lo-fi and I think even though it is just basically the brainchild of one guy, when you think of the cast and you watch this movie, you see so many people involved. It's not like one of those written by, directed by, acted by, (laughs) music by one guy. There's a huge cast. Where you wonder why, like, there's definitely some horror movies out there that 
are so independent. They got are so independent that they got like five people involved mm-hmm. and you wonder like is this town have more people in it why do they keep running into this it's like they run to one local guy over and over and over again god what was that movie um barbara crampton was in it but it was about like a haunted vhs board game and i can't remember like what it was but it was like this idea of like uh, this fully fleshed out world in which like there was like a haunted game and she and like barbara crampton's character was like the spectral host of it but that movie for is a great example there was like five characters in it and it was supposed to be like a whole town and it turned out that there was possession so the characters that were good guys just became the bad guys and the ones that were alive just fought them so it was really just like (laughs) me and my friends are making a movie whereas this is like you know when you include all the extras and all the little characters there's like 50 people in this movie yep definitely and it seems to me, if you take a look at the Wikipedia, it uh, rings true how they accomplished such a authentic-looking public access or small-town TV station look is that all of the commercials had different directors. Like, you can... And different actors, let alone different actors, different everything. You know, full-on different production. Yeah. And you can tell stylistically. And that's what helps, I think, really drive it home is that everything looks so authentic because everything was done with an authentic vibe it's the same idea Mm -hmm. of like how would you go to create a a a great looking um authentic looking old horror movie like headless is sort of done in that in that way where they Mm -hmm. had to use oldish film stock they use old tactics they use old lighting they use all of the old techniques to do it. You can't just feed this through fucking After Effects and get this sort of Mm -hmm. final product at all. And there is an aspect, I was going to ask you about that. Do you think that, um, do you think that this could, I know this movie is a few years old by now, but like, do you see more of these films uh, that are emulating, because remember we had that block of time I want to say like five years where it seemed like every other month there was a movie coming out, whether it was like a grindhouse or father's day, but it was movies that like were supposed to like appear as though they, someone just dug the film reels out of the 1970s and it like, it's like an old Russ Meyer film or something that would be like playing on like 42nd street with like the scratches all on the thing. And you could totally tell that like it was an after effects thing. Like they just put grains on the film stock. Do you see now as filmmakers are now people who grew up in the nineties are now nostalgic for like, well, I want it to look like a VHS tape. Do you see Mm -hmm. more of that happening? Or do you think that this is like really like a unique beast? I hope not. I mean, I'm tired of it already. There's been enough of that done. And you can get away with doing that with like, say, After Effects or what have you. And there's a lot of like YouTube shows that are that have this effect, right? And there's enough, there's been enough of this uh, VHS throwback look grindhouse emulation. 
now we're into we're heavily and and everyone and their dog is emulating what we're doing right now to people over a zoom call or on facebook messenger or google uh whatever you call the google one and google meet or whatever um that's what everyone seems to be all excited about emulating right now let alone like vhs stuff i think that has come and gone to a certain extent like it definitely seems like you're right the like between host and unfriended and searching and 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 those types of um skype and zoom call type horror movies i think this is all under of course the blanket of um found footage right like the this is the idea behind this film is some you are watching someone who at some times is mercifully impatient to just fast forward through some shit uh is who is watching a vhs copy of a broadcast a halloween special but there's this whole chunk at the beginning that um is a newscast that's not related to the Halloween special. And I find myself watching that wondering, why am I watching this? Why am I watching, if this is supposed to be the WNUF Halloween special, why am I watching part of a news broadcast beforehand? Is it to just lull me into the universe? Or is it to... Like provide because they don't really provide any additional background to the broadcasters, to the town, to the house within the that first I'd say like almost half an hour, right? So mm-hmm. I'm wondering what is the purpose of it aside from getting you into the mood of being in a VHS tape, like you know, like, like the, the the draconian idea around writing is every word should contribute to the final effect. So what is the final effect of this? I have got a theory, Wes. I have got a theory. Now, I don't know. Are we going to, A, let me unleash my theory and spoil the whole movie and the end of it specifically? Or, B, should I hold on to my little theory until we talk about what this movie is about even anyway yeah what is this movie even about anyways lid i want answers around here you want answers around here well i think you're gonna have to get shadow the cat and help you discern and divine some answers from some electric voice or what some evp phenomena so <laughs> EVP yeah phenomena, yeah the only way we're going to get answers is to go on out there and get them. Am I right, Wes? So now uh, I see you're dressed up for Halloween. What, what are you dressed up as? Oh, I am uh, dressed up as a podcaster in his mid-30s, wondering when he's ever going to make it in this world. <laughs> Likewise. Wow. Twinsies. Huh. Who'd have thunk? <laughs> now, um, what this movie is about, even anyway, this is about Frank Stewart, our intrepid reporter, and his producer, who are on the scene of a haunted house. Now, you had mentioned you don't really get to that till about a half hour into this movie. You know, it's true. You, um, But that is the point. It is the WNUF Halloween special. And we are going to watch the nut of the story, which is Frank is going to go to this 
house where a heinous murder was committed, not unlike the Amityville house. Somebody was yes. possessed by spirits and murdered their family. Yes, because they found an old Ouija board in the attic or something like that. And then they, I, I suppose they used it to contact spirits. That's a very, um, the Ouija board as, as an actual uh, uh, gateway into the nether is a very um, Warren's concept. Because like they talk about that in their book, The Demonologist and shit like that, how they absolutely believe in Ouija boards. But um, And the Warrens, by the way, uh, people who are familiar with the famous uh, married couple, we don't have the Warrens in this one. We have the Burgers. Yes, but, you know, which are who do they remind ones. you of? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, maybe I'd like the Warrens more if they had a cat named Shadow. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, that would make a lot more sense. Instead of relying on a piece of the true cross that hangs from your neck, they're relying on this cat <laughs> Shadow. So the burgers are very much like the famed ghost hunter duo. They are a husband mm-hmm. and wife. They're older. They believe 100%. But then they also do rely on some modern technology. So not only do they have their cat who acts as a divining rod? They have uh, the medium who is the wife and the husband is a parapsychologist who relies on things like recording. He's very hands holzer at that rate too. So for those that are into old timey ghost hunting, this you'll eat this up. You know, it may not be paranormal activity or um, what was that other one? Encounters that we grave encounters grave encounters i love that movie so much um me too so it's not as cutting edge as all that they have some pretty rickety equipment but it is ghost hunting (laughs) with equipment all the same yeah they have um they have a it's not a recording device well it is a recording device but they have it in the old suitcases back in the day like when you used to to carry around your uh laptops in it would look like a leather-bound suitcase or a briefcase. It would never look quite like a briefcase, but you could hold it like one, and you could open it up. And the funny thing is, is I haven't seen those in years. When we were, uh, when I was in college for broadcasting, you could go and uh, rent out equipment at Algonquin. Uh, and typically speaking, it was like microphones and other kind of stuff like that. And they were the old, the old stick microphones that you would see in like dating back to like the fucking 60s in fact one of the microphones that they use in night of the living dead was literally the same kind of microphone that i would use sometimes in college they were fucking tinny pieces of shit but the but these big recording devices that were in briefcases you would see them covered in like dust in the corner they've Mm -hmm. just been sitting at the college since you know the 70s so that's yeah, the type right. of like high-end equipment that he's using, and it's great. It's so great. All the fucking knobs and dials and the big old uh, flips and switches and stuff like that. Like, it's so good. Yeah, it's absolutely gear porn for 1970s throwback. It really is. It's, it's sad in a way because it is <clears throat> 2013. Like, I don't know when what year this is supposed to take place and i'd have to oh, say sometime in the 80s did they say they it's in uh, it's 1987 was 1987. the year of the bro- okay it's supposed to be the broadcast so you're right you're right in the ballpark of 1980s okay yeah. so they do it very accurately in that way 
It's also very accurate in the effects that they use for all of the commercials because we cannot skip over the first half hour before we get to the haunted house, the parapsychologist and Frank himself and the gaggle of merry Halloweeners that are gathered outside this ghost house um, without mentioning the commercials because in between all of this and the newscast and Frank and his producer, we have commercials. And the technology used to uh, typeset and the fonts used and all of that, Mm -hmm. the teletype or whatever you would call that, because it's beyond my time even, if you can imagine that. Here I am, the old lady (laughs) that took like broadcast journalism and um, print journalism and media studies and uh, graphic design in as Mm -hmm. early as 94. It's still before my time. So I don't even know how they got the goddamn text on the screen, but it is all of the colors and the 16-bit bullshit they got going on there. It's accurate for 1987, as far as I can tell, which is mind blowing. It it really did. And what's what's interesting is is like the types of commercials. Now we've seen these types of um, you know I mentioned Father's Day earlier. That's another presentation that is meant to be as though it had been recorded off of late night television, mm-hmm. uh, VHS style. the The commercial work in this one is so much more subtle, and it really will unlock, perhaps not direct memories, because they're not. None of the commercials are like, "Hey, remember this one?" Like, they, it's not like they just harvested a bunch of commercials they created their own and it's for types of things and services that i had forgotten were a thing the one that blew my hair back was the funny animal vhs like look at this panda isn't he silly and you could order a vhs compilation that would be a bunch of scenes of animals being cute And then when you ordered that, you could opt to get more VHSs of the same fucking shit every single month. And I was like, oh, my God, I forgot that things like that existed where you could order VHSs off of TV that were like, you know, the wide world of sports or sports bloopers or or like TV bloopers or like funny animals or whatever. And you could get this compilation delivered to you. And then they'd be like, we got more of this. You want more of this? We got volume two, volume three, volume four. It's like uh, fucking, that was what blew my hair back. It's a, it's a type of commercial that I have not thought about in literally decades. No, seriously. I mean, now we have Instagram ads, but back then we had Star Tracks on KTEL, 8-track LP or cassette. And yeah, they have the, the metal ballads or whatever uh, yeah, commercial the, in this. The, the, that is fantastic. And even the band names, the way that the text scrolls, the way that they fade from one song to the other, it does bring back so many memories of, yeah, a, a type of commercial that there's no reason to remember. There's no reason to really um, yeah. hold those dear. I'm sure you can find some on YouTube. I know that there are people that have captured old VHS things like tape TV 
from way back when, and there is probably from well before this, and probably maybe like early 80s, um, A Visit with Santa Claus from my local television network that is on available on YouTube. So if anyone's interested, oh, go type in North Bay MCTV A Visit with Santa Claus, and it has commercials and the whole bit. And it's very much like this. If only it was haunted, then it would be killer, right? <laughs> but yeah, the commercials and there are news segments in there that do, as we get closer to the actual Halloween special, um, there are a few segments that that do feed into that a little bit. The dentist talks about Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, Halloween is a dentist's mm-hmm. worst nightmare. Also, the zealots, they have some religious people that are very against this Halloween special and they voice mm-hmm. their concerns. So we do get a snippet of that. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's commercials and, <clears throat> and mostly just inane bullcrap. Yeah, I forgot about the religious zealots, which is weird because you think I wouldn't. But yeah, that comes back later. But it, it's all to pepper, I think, like like into this color into the story, right? Because they really want you to settle down and have this experience of watching a genuine broadcast from the past. Um, again, you're not watching it. Someone is watching it. But um, you you get this sense that the filmmakers, and I don't know, maybe Chris asked, asked him, but like the, the filmmakers were just trying to make it feel as though you had found this shitty old broadcast. And when it leads up to the Halloween special, it's so accurate because I felt myself getting frustrated with the amount of commercial breaks. And I'm just like, that is what television was like, where you're yeah. just like, for fuck's sake, like, they were on for five minutes, and now I have to watch four minutes of commercials. It, it can it can be, especially towards the end, you're like, oh, my God. Okay, I get it. Can we do less commercials, please? <laughs> yeah, it is frustrating. They do tap into that quite, quite accurately, and they do replay some of the same commercials. And luckily, our viewer friend, whoever they are, uh, fast forwards through quite a little bit of that. But, yeah. you know, the highlight here, though, Wes, the highlight of the night is to be not just the Halloween special and not just talking to call-in people. They're going to have a live seance, Wes. The first time on television, a live seance. A live seance in the murder mansion. Like, wow. So (laughs) you're going to be able to call in with your questions during the seance too, which is nutso. I mean... I think that that's uh, where it really does get really close to Ghost Watch because they do a very similar tactic yeah. in Ghost Watch. Yeah, but but much in the same v- way that like the the stiff upper lip, you know, sort of proper British people, you know, the callers are perhaps more in hysterics. We don't really hear them, but like, um, you know, these are just a bunch of yahoos on WNUS call-ins. Like, if it was the '90s, they'd be yelling "Baba Booey" into the fucking phone (laughs) yeah when we start off this broadcast with this halloween special we're introduced well we've been we've met him like maybe once or twice very briefly but we are introduced to the broadcaster frank whose job it is is to go inside of the house now they start off with like a bunch of trick-or-treaters halloweeners uh wieners is the 
uh, operating word there because they're just like a bunch of people in crappy Halloween costumes sitting outside. And it's kind of like that thing where I remember being at Winterlude one year with my class and we ran into a TV broadcaster and they wanted us to like say like, happy Winterlude. Like you say it all on the camera together, right? Like it's that type of like fucking nonsense that I guess TV broadcasters like. And there's a part of me that like, who had to do streeters in radio and had to do uh, live remotes as, as I think they're even called in television. And like this idea, like, like Frank trying to keep everything going while he's kind of dealing with like an unruly crowd. I could definitely feel his frustration because you're just like, I'm trying to be entertaining and I've already thought about a lot of what I want to say. And like, you know, people are interrupting him and derailing him and stuff like that. And he sort of waffles between wanting people to answer his questions, but also making fun of them. Mm-hmm. Like if 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 you say you believe in ghosts, he thinks you're a moron. If you don't answer his questions quickly enough, he'll basically call you a moron. Like he's very quick on like the like you are frustrating me. <laughs> yeah. It, and it's hard to tell whether Frank just wants his soundbite or if he wants to get this over with and go for a drink because he looks like he yeah. needs one. Uh, not that he's yeah. nervous of this house. He's a skeptic, it looks like. Um, oh, yeah. He's got, not only does he have these parapsychologists in the wings and these Halloweeners to interview and his producer to cut to from time to time, he's also got yeah. um, a priest that's on call. So they've got a priest there. Um, so he can, he yeah. has lots of things to jump to. So I can see why the Halloweeners would be, you know, they're all the equivalent of the I Like Turtles kid. They really are. <laughs> they really are. And uh, no internet to go viral with, unfortunately. But um, when when he they uh, when he introduced the, the burgers and introduces what type of paranormal researches they are and the fact that they have Shadow the cat and the fact that, um, you know, Shadow is an, not just a pet, but also an assistant in their um, investigative processes and stuff like that. He's still um, pretty incredulous, but also he really wants to um, emphasize to people that things aren't staged. So he seems to be kind of hoping for something or at the very least is waffling between doing a live remote and also trying to be like a on-the-scene reporter like Mm -hmm. almost um, a war correspondent in a weird way because he's like, ladies and gentlemen, this is not staged. Did you see that up in the window up there? Like if we didn't know that this was a horror movie, we wouldn't know that something really bad is about to go down with this situation. And, And I think that like as an audience member who knows that he's watching a movie and knows that he's watching a horror movie, all I'm doing is looking in the background at everything. All I'm doing is trying to see, I'm trying to find the horror. I'm trying to find where's the boogans, where's the gobbledygook, where's the where's the like the 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 the, the fearful um, apparitions, where's all this stuff that I'm looking for, and that first flash across the window, I was like, oh, something, something is there's something in the house. <laughs> um, and I don't know about you, but I went into this knowing nothing. Like, I, I never heard uh, Chris's episode of BTK. And the first time I ever watched WNUF, 
I didn't know. I assumed it was a supernatural horror mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. I assumed that it was either because they kept talking about demonic possession, and that's like an easy thing to go by, right? So it's um, also an easy thing I to would... emulate and to fake. We've seen that sort of stuff. Paranormal activity just springs to mind as something that's easy to capture on lo-fi equipment and probably even easier to make look genuine-ish, genuine enough. So like I knew I knew enough about it. I had read up, I had heard Chris's episode. I'd skip some of the impertinent bits because I do try to not spoil myself too too much when it comes to stuff. But mm-hmm. I had an idea of what I was in for. Mm-hmm. And I had watched Ghost Watch previously. So I had an idea of what the the gold bar standard was for something right. like this, right? So I had an idea of where it was going to go. Um, so, yeah, it was somewhat spoiled for me. But I was I was somewhat late to it, too, although I did see it before it hit Shutter, which is just so awesome yeah. that it is out there. It, it really is. I was really happy that Shutter picked this up because, honestly, I was scratching my head about what to do. Like, I'm not good. I'm not the type of person that's good at adapting my plans. So mm-hmm. when when our omen plan got derailed and, and we were just like we need another halloween movie i'm like uh i have nothing in my goddamn head right now no this is a perfect little a little thing and it's neat that it's come to shutter because it was not accessible this is not an easy movie to get and it is was in very low rotation low, very yeah. very low low rotation you could pick it up on amazon but it's 30 bucks kind of steep for a movie that if you don't know what it is so um and and you know that's the type of cost where even i'm just like "Eh, 30 bucks for a dvd eh Uh, but i don't want to steal it but you know you want to make sure that uh you know the the filmmakers getting their due. I've actually seen the filmmaker uh, complaining on Twitter about people stealing his movie. So I'm hoping that this access to Shutter. It was just like you know a lot of times people I feel don't want to steal a movie, but they're just like I don't know how else to watch this, so I'm just going to download it. Um, exactly, you would have no recourse with this because even stuff like uh, Chris owns a Frank Stewart shirt, and yeah. it's one of two in existence. Wanting to drop that kind of money on a movie you haven't seen, you might not even know anyone personally that has seen it either to vouch yeah. for it, right? Mm-hmm. Because it was really that rare. It was very Poughkeepsie tapes in that way where not many yeah. people had seen it. Yeah, the yeah. Poughkeepsie tapes is a, is a good example of just something that um, it hit the horror journalism community, right? And that's where it starts. And then through those people and their social media and their articles that they write and their publications, it sort of spikes and people who are avid and rabid horror collectors will get their mitts on it. And then they start writing their blogs and they start tweeting about it. And, you know, I I remember like a course of like um, when this movie first came out, like it was just. You know, social media buzzed about it and then it dies down. And then just like every October, people are just like, hey, remember this movie? Hey, remember this movie? Hey, remember this movie? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that it's freely available on Shutter, most uh, like not most horror fans have it, but they have a million subscribers these days. So, you know, a lot of people have access yeah. to it who wouldn't previously just like Ghostwatch. I never saw 
uh, Ghost Watch until it was on Shutter, or did I? It doesn't matter. The point. <laughs> the point is, is like, it's great to have access to this film. One thing I want to talk about. Uh, speaking of access, the introduction of the priest is the the priest being my favorite character. Oh yeah. <laughs> in the movie, he has got like a a Chris Farley van down by the river level of discomfort in his clothes it looks like his collar is going to like cut off the circulation to his head he looks supremely 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 tense to be there um and it is perhaps like the most delightful aspect of this movie is just frank constantly trying to address this priest and the priest not really wanting to talk at all about anything. Yeah. And it, it's neat because there's a twist to the priest that you don't really see coming. Yeah. Um, unless you're super psychic or whatever, because he just seems like a very uncomfortable dude who just wants to say God works in mysterious ways. And he's just there for like moral mm-hmm. support and Frank, not only does he keep throwing to the priest who does not want to be on camera, who just seems to be there. It's almost like someone said to him, come and attend this um, seance and just sort of float around in the background. We're not going to really bug you. You just have to be there and be a priest in the background. That's all you need to do. He's probably getting like a hundred bucks. Frank didn't get the memo that you're not supposed to throw to the priest. That's what it feels like. You know, when he keeps throwing to the priest and the priest is just like, ah, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. It's awesome. It's super awkward. And you're right. He does have a Chris Farley vibe like nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, seriously, this, the question of an exorcism, the question that is what Frank keeps asking him. Will you perform an exorcism? Will you perform an exorcism? He he does not want to answer that question at all. He doesn't want to commit to saying yes. He doesn't want to say no, but he definitely is going with a let's wait and see or let's hold off. Even though the twist very uh, of this character really reminds me of Grave Encounters. Um, or yes. um, And then also the burgers remind me of Paranormal Activity. Uh, I know you don't uh, care for that movie, but there's a scene in Paranormal Activity where, like, they basically, like, they get a medium to come to the house. And the medium is in there for, like, four seconds. And they're just like, no, this place is evil. I'm fucking leaving. And the burgers have, like, the same reaction where they want to leave that house too sweet. They they do yeah. not want to be there. The medium wife is basically just saying over and over again, it's an evil presence. There is evil in this house and she cannot make it any more clear. And Frank's just like asking the dumbest questions and just trying to keep the broadcast rolling because he's like, hey, this is my fucking Halloween special, you fucks. And I need this to be longer than two minutes. We can't just keep throwing the mattress commercials. Like. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, that and like, the, as soon as they walked in the house, the cat took yes. off. So his stars, his two stars are absolutely distraught and distracted. They're useless in a way because the cat took off. Yeah. And maybe it only kind of sits in your background in your mind because you're like, who cares about the cat? Like, find the cat later. But they are zoomed in on the cat and that's all that the burgers care about. They hardly want to go on with this. A, they want to leave because it's evil. And B, 
they want their cat mm-hmm. and that's all they care about. So they're really ruining Frank's day. The priest though, and this is where my kind of spidey sense starts to tingle, I suppose, if you could call it spidey sense. Yeah. Um when the priest doesn't straight up say the answer which you would expect, which is I am not trained in the rites of exorcism. There's very few priests. I'm a father. There's very, very few priests that are trained in the rites mm-hmm. of exorcism. And anyone that knows anything knows that. Yeah. So that's th- because he didn't give that answer. You're like, oh, there's something wrong with this priest or father or father, whatever. When I'm watching the film and he says exorcism is part of our uh, toolkit, like last rites. I'm like, no, it isn't. Like, like, like <laughs> hardcore? No, it isn't. Whether you believe in exorcisms or not, the fact of the matter is, is very rarely do priests do that. Now, I, I initially would just, instead of thinking that's like, oh, that's going to be like part of the twist. Um, I'm just thinking, oh, this is the writer just doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about because... They he in the, almost in the same breath says the church rarely rarely grants permission for exorcisms and that is also true. So that's very very so true. so I was like okay so they have one fact wrong and they have one fact right. It sounds to me like the writer just didn't have a very solid grasp on this and and so I just delete it from my brain because you know you watch movies. I watch movies, sometimes they get their facts wrong because a writer didn't check it thoroughly. It's just like, you know, general incompetence, right? It's like, um, you know, uh, if I could put myself on blast here, um, I uh, I got pinched on Aurora, the first, uh, the first installment, because I said a place was a suburb in Detroit, uh, Michigan, without naming the borough. And apparently that's something that wouldn't actually happen. And someone who was from that area commented on it. And and uh, my editor, she was just like, oh, look at this. And I was just like, if I'm not American, I don't know. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they, they needed a fact check reader for that. Yeah, they did. But what, what can you do, right? Yeah. Uh, call that guy next time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I kind of chopped it up to. But you're right. Like almost the second that the burgers and Frank and the priest are in that place. It is getting derailed. They, they are obsessed with where is shadow. They, because, because Frank definitely has like an itinerary. He was like, we are going to go. We are coming to the house. We are going to get our general impressions. And then we are, he really wants to go down to the basement. He he's like, that's where the bodies were found. D. He loves to, to remind you that the bodies had their heads cut off. Um, and they don't want to do that. And they even go to the, the, the burgers, even immediately turn to the priest and say, like, perform an exorcism right now. Like, right yeah. fucking now. And. Oh, but no, no, we're not going to have an exorcism. First, we've got to find the cat. <laughs> and then we have to have a seance with the distraught burgers. But, like, they're going to be even more distraught. Because the burger's equipment gets fucking destroyed. And I bet you that briefcase cost him like fucking $800 in, in 1987 dollars. 
Definitely would have. So he is righteously pissed. And it's not even a case of where we as the viewer can really pinpoint, does Frank have somebody on the inside that is destroying their gear? Is there somebody that, like, is this a setup? It's really hard for us to discern that. And part of us, depending on the person watching it, would be like, oh, there's definitely, it's all definitely a setup. Um, There's somebody in the house that is ruining the gear or on the other hand it's like oh no they've stumbled into something that is truly evil and there is an entity in the house that is destroying the gear behind them because you can hear noises upstairs downstairs and that's the kinetic energy that we're getting in between commercial breaks mind you of oh my god did you hear that let's go upstairs oh my god did you hear that let's go in this room oh my god did you hear that so they're being dragged around the the house not only yeah. looking for the cat, not only chasing phantom noises and investigating who destroyed the equipment, if it was a somebody at all. And in the height of all of that, then this movie starts to get horrific. It really, really does. And I can tell you who definitely thinks that Frank has sabotaged their equipment. Uh, the Burgers. They fucking they <laughs> yeah. accuse him and... And, and, you know, Frank is just like, you know, I, I told you, you're going to have to talk to my producer after all of this. And destroyed equipment is one thing. But um, the thing that really, and, you know, I can understand how they'd be pissed off. Because, like, if you had that equipment, it's probably calibrated, like, just the way you like it. Like, you know, people who have that type of stuff, that type of gear, it was like... How, um, or like a couple of months ago, uh, I lost my version of Adobe Audition. For some reason, it got corrupted on my computer and I had to uninstall it and I don't have the disk anymore, so it's gone. And I had all, I had all my, my dials just the way I liked them for this show. Um, so, yeah. yeah, not that it suffers. I mean, you're doing a fucking incredible job of uh, doing the show. Oh, well, thank so you. It does, so. so, like, I'm, I, if anything, it sounds better. Uh, but, um, but uh, when that gets destroyed, that's a pisser. That is like you're thinking about like, I need this shit to do my job. My job is how I make money. This thing costs money. This is going to cost me out the ass. Basically, like, who's going who's gonna to make this better? Who's going to make this better? I came onto the show to do a thing, and now my fucking equipment's broken. That is hardly the fucking problem because during the seance – they still don't have their fucking cat and they're definitely not focused. And this is where um, we get the Collins and everyone's like, I don't know. Like someone says something like, like Iron Maiden rules or some shit like that. Or white lions. Oh, sucks. White li- <laughs> Iron Maiden rules. White lion sucks. <laughs> and that is an awesome caller. Uh, they definitely will be interested in ordering that. Um, metal soundtrack that compilation they're probably sitting there ordering it now they definitely get a, a zealot they get the i forget her name all of a I sudden forget a lot of people characters they, names in this as a matter of fact but um the maniac woman she yeah. calls and and screeching into the phone that you're all blasphemers and stuff like that the one underlying current <laughs> of all of this is satanic panic um, we've talked about Satanic Panic on the show, and uh, for the uninitiated listeners, I mean, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you know, but just in case you don't, in the 1980s, uh, 
there was a, a, a fucking almost pandemic as far as middle class white ladies were concerned in in which um, <laughs> Satanism was around every corner. Everything from uh, children and animal sacrifices, blood drinking rituals, Baphomet on every corner, uh, you know, everyone wanting to live their lives deliciously. It was... It was um, it was a real a real problem, and uh, uh, real crimes were attributed to Satanism. And um, there was a fascinating uh, podcast series about Satanic Panic. I think it was like Uncover. They did Satanic Panic or something like that, and it was about this whole community in I think Saskatchewan. If memory serves me, that uh, like a small town outside of Saskatchewan in which all of these children said that um, there was a cult of um, Satanists that were operating in their town and like killing or molesting and killing children and forcing them to eat animals and all that kind of stuff. And it turned out that none of it was true, even though real people, uh, you know, went to jail and real families were persecuted and real people were run out of town and stuff like that. And it was all... Uh, nonsense. That's the level of satanic panic that uh, people were dealing with. And that's the underlying current here. And during the seance, the bur- like um, Mrs. Berger, uh, she just like basically derails into just repeating she needs her cat, she needs her cat, she needs her cat. Because the um, evil presence is so overwhelming. And he is part of the team, not only part of the family, he's maybe the most powerful psychic among the three of them. Um, And he took off immediately, like when they walked into the the house. We haven't seen Heidner Hare, the cat, no pun pun intended. The cat is the number one psychic among the three of them. Like this, he is the founding member of this family. He is the number one um, tent pole of this team. And we haven't seen Heidner Hair, the stinking cat, since it came in the house. So, of course, she's like absolutely freaking out. It's, it's, it's wild to me how they're just like, we need the cat to do this. Like, and, and, and like, I was just like, cats, if you're lucky, 20 years, they've been operating longer than that. So, what did they do before the cat? Yeah. Right. I, I suppose that's when they hit the big time. They're like, all of a sudden they found this cat. Um, whether, like, and, and also, like, there's this weird sense in which, like, the, like, the cat's never done this before. And I'm just like, have you guys ever done this before? Because <laughs> it seems like, it seems like they are genuinely, um, genuinely shocked at the things they're seeing, like the EVP and, and all that kind of stuff. But, the seance basically goes as well as everything else in the show so far, which is to say fucking terribly. And yeah. it all is punctuated with the discovery of their cats. Yeah. And it's one of those. The, the interesting thing about this is that it is in the middle of a room that we've been in and out of a couple times. So mm. if the cat had been there from the get go, it would have definitely been seen and the camera pans down to this destroyed cat. Like, it is yeah. a blood stain and fur on the floor. And yeah. 
it's absolutely not for the squeamish that scene especially if you're a devout cat lover uh, mm-hmm. And they don't set you up for it at all. Like, really. Yeah. I, I just, you'd think that you'd never see the cat or, like, at the end, it'll be, like, at the door and everyone will be like, oh, there's Shadow. Uh, no. Shadow has been, looks like Shadow's been squished by a, a giant cement block or something. Like, he's flattened. Or a, a big cartoon hammer or something. Like, it's it's yeah. just obliterated cat. And then, and then they cut to commercials about, like, funny animals yeah. and uh, commercials about funny animals but the producer does what a producer would do which is like we apologize for the scenes that you may have seen like whatever we don't condone that sort of uh, mm-hmm. behavior and we apologize deeply for the unexpected scene of violence or however mm-hmm. she phrases it does a perfect job as a producer yeah cuts to um cuts to the funny animal commercial and then uh, a little bit of a segment on satanic panic in which they talk about like animal sacrifices and people that have murdered their girlfriends. The subject matter just keeps getting increasingly darker earlier in the film. There's a, a guy suffering from sh- shell shock, which kills a little boy who is dressed up as a GI Joe. And um, that's something that they just sort of like toss in there and remove. But at this point you got a dead cat destroyed equipment. The burgers are out of there and now (laughs) frank is left there trying to salvage the show with a a a priest who looks like he wants to be anywhere else yeah and i don't blame him because frank's overbearing at this point his production value has gone out the window he's an Im- a minute away from taking a shot of vodka from whatever <laughs> hidden vial he has on him like really yeah. so but he's also at the same time determined to salvage this show mm-hmm. he's also determined for some sort of exorcism to be performed here not only mm-hmm. for the showmanship but maybe we're getting the idea that maybe frank is a little bit scared here too because he's Jumping at every single noise. Really, and he's he's trying to he, he's almost pleading with the priest to finally uh, perform the exorcism, and uh, the priest again is hitting him back with like you know the the church rarely grants this type of stuff, and like he Frank is insisting this place is clearly haunted. This is haunting. This is not speculation anymore, Frank whether it's for the broadcast or whether inside, believes that something is definitely going on and an exorcism could help solve the problem. He um, is pleading with them, but they first they got to get down to that basement. Because... Yeah, you can't just have an exorcism up there in the dining room. I mean, seriously. Yeah, yeah seriously. You got to go where you the bodies were found. The decapitated bodies. Mm-hmm. When they're down there, they start... Uh, or the, the priest starts with his exorcism, gets about two seconds into it, like you know the the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I, I'm glad. I mean, he's probably um, relieved that he got <laughs> yes. cut off there because I bet you that's all he knows. Um, uh, all of a sudden, there's some huge noise coming from upstairs, scratching at the door, or. And it's like the door has been shut and they're sealed inside. And at this point, Frank is like pleading with his producer to try to figure out 
what the fuck is going on. And that's where the priest reveals that he's an actor. One and all. Yeah. And Frank knew that all along because Frank is the one that hired the guy. And it is just a ruse at that point. At the same time, the producer is asking Frank if the burgers have returned to the house and if he can't break the door down, what she's going to do is send an intern in there with a video camera as well yeah. to try and sort this out or help and, them. Yeah, something. She's in like the news van outside and, and like our brave intern comes in there. One of the interesting things that I think that they do um, is... You start, you see a flash of a person when that intern enters the house. And that, and that flash of a person is wearing a flannel, a red flannel shirt or plaid shirt. And when we saw stock footage of the murders, the kid or the guy that uh, committed the murders was wearing the same kind of shirt so you're asking yourself okay is this supposed to be like the evil spirit of this kid or is he still in the house or how would that be possible um what is actually going on here but when the intern's camera drops blair witch style lands Mm -hmm. on dr Berger himself slain yeah, because we were wondering maybe why the producer keeps asking where the burgers are. If they have left the house, wouldn't she have seen them go out? I guess they never left. Oh, shit. So, yeah, yeah there's a pile of fucking bodies here, Wes. It really is. And they are locked up. The, the priest is wet himself. He's not a priest. He's an actor, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> he... <laughs> maybe it's stage piss. He does, and um, it's really um, it's really interesting. They keep trying to. This is the best part. It's like uh, I think it's Vanessa is the, the producer in the car or whatever, and she keeps trying to throw to commercials. And Frank's like, "No, don't throw to commercials. Stay on this." Like <laughs> Veronica, uh, yeah. Oh, Veronica, that's right, yeah. And uh, but not before we get like one brief commercial, which is like a spooky, <laughs> a spooky guy, and like crappy halloween makeup like going like ooh, he's almost like a sven Gulli or whatever but like yeah dr Bloodwrench, i believe his name is <laughs> yeah it's so good yeah that was the, that was the first time where where one of the commercials at the the end the tail end of the movie because like the it's the last 30 minutes of this movie is like there's so many commercial breaks but and i'm just getting like oh the commercials like they're driving me nuts because i'm engaged i want to see what's happening and, and the, uh, every commercial, I'm just like, oh, fuck this. And, and I'm like, mysterious watcher of this tape, fucking fast forward, please. That's what I'm hoping for. And then yeah. this fucking Dr. Bloodwrench commercial comes on. And I'm like, all right, this commercial is fine. Like, yeah, this can, this works. This totally I like, works. I like this one. Um, now, we cut back to discover, luckily, our hero Frank is still alive. Yeah. For a second, or not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, these are the zealots, basically. Yeah. This twist, which I did not see coming, um, uh, was well executed. It reminded me a lot 
of was it the exorcism of Emily the last exorcism the last exorcism yeah. is where they had Satanists who at the end were like killed the documentary crew um, yeah. while while someone was uh, killed you know like kill the bitch and like she gets fucking aced and then they kill the guy um, it kind of reminded me of that when you have like a group of like people but this is basically like you're all blasphemers you're all sinners and we're killing you to stop this evil so I don't like I wanted to ask you um, your expert opinion is the evil that the burgers were sensing, was it the malicious intent of the zealots inside the house? Or is it the house that turns zealots into murderers? I'd have to say the zealots themselves. It's just mm. that their their ill will. I don't know if there's anything wrong with that house at all. And there's even some admission that this could have been a drug-induced psychosis more than actual evil uh, when it comes to the initial murder in that house. And they, they make it pretty clear that it was probably a drug-induced psychosis of some sort. Yeah, I, I'd have to say that it's definitely the, the zealots that they're sensing if anything at all because they're also probably charlatans to a certain degree as well yeah for sure i mean like um not unlike the warrens themselves i would like to know so what happens in the broadcast is when we return to frank who's been tied up and we now have whoever was operating the camera before is presumed dead we see mm -hmm. a camera operator dead but i'm like was that the intern who was that uh, we don't know. Because there a was a camera operator at one point as well, right? Because there was yeah. someone with so Frank. So we see, we see the camera op – we see a bunch of dead people with the priest, the burgers, you know, the cat's dead. One Some camera operator is dead. Um, someone is holding the camera that's like like – like he's like the Joker. He's like, ha, 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 the camera. And <laughs> Frank gets his tongue cut out. Yeah. And – and and this is all after like a little bit of like VHS like uh, static like like a big long static and like there's nothing on the tape there's nothing on the tape and then all of a sudden it starts recording again you can you get a sense that um, after his tongue gets cut out and you see all the bodies and you see the woman who they interviewed like we you see her. And she's like, don't show my face. Don't show my face. But he like, yeah, is a so, bad cameraman because he's not a cameraman. And he shows her face. He shows, shows her face when she says, don't show my face. And when, when that happens, there's more static. And then it cuts to a broadcast from a week later. And it's our news anchors now, not in costumes, saying that, Frank and the actor and the burgers and uh, even uh, Vanessa, like the, the producer, right? They've all yes. gone missing. They've not been found for a week. Nobody knows what it is. They thought it was a hoax, but now they're not so sure. And then the VHS tape cuts out, goes blue, end of tape, and that's the end of it. So the question is, clearly, the last shot with the tongues... And the bodies was never broadcast. So who is watching the tape? 
Now it has to be the killers because this takes me back to my initial theory of why is there a half hour of just mind-numbing bullshit to wade through before you get to it? Because remember back in the day, Wes, when you were going to record something off the TV, but maybe your pizza was coming or you were going to go upstairs and watch something on that TV, but you wanted to record that movie or that sport event or whatever it is that people recorded. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes that episode of X-Files, but you had to go to work well before X-Files started. The tape was maybe three hours, so you'd pop it in, hit record, even though the show is not going to be on for a half hour. And there would be like a half hour of another show Mm -hmm. that happened all the time, right? Yes. So I'd have to say the Zealots popped in a tape before they headed out to the murder house that night. Mm. that's why there's a half hour of stuff because that's about how long it would take them to get from wherever they were to the house to do the things they did killing the cat and all that maybe that was stuff that maybe they were in the house all along so they had to Mm -hmm. start recording well before even frank got there so yeah yeah they would especially particularly um you get the sense that they want them to leave and like maybe they would have said like what if we destroy their equipment will they leave then fuck what if we kill their cat fuck they'll leave then it's like fine i guess they're not gonna leave we'll just kill them and it's this escalation and in their minds they're totally justified but yeah and i think now somebody who was in that room watches the tape like fucking um you know like henry portrait of a serial killer where uh him and his buddy are sitting there watching one of their murders on on the tv um, that they had recorded previously. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like that, maybe. Like, maybe every Halloween they're like, and now we pop in the tape of that time we killed those people. For their own Halloween special. Yeah, it's like watching home movies. Much like we're having our Halloween special at the behest of the WNUF Halloween special. <laughs> it's like Inception. It's a special within a special. Um, I think, like I said, my thoughts on this movie overall because i like it quite a bit i like the it's a very basic story but again i like the presentation more than the story itself which it maybe isn't the best endorsement ever but i definitely think that um you know the filmmakers got together and they made something very specific and very authentic like it like i cannot stress enough how much this genuinely feels legitimate like of all the found footage i definitely feel like i'm watching an old found vhs tape of an old broadcast they did do very very well in that respect it does on the other hand leave me wanting for a actual scary movie because yeah that's the one thing that ghost watch did and i hate to keep on comparing it to ghost watch but ghost watch does deliver at the end where this is uh got a bit of a twist it's got a second twist it's got uh some gore ish scenes and i mean frank getting his tongue cut out is pretty wild they did really good with that actually but and the cat too but like it leaves me wanting for an actual scary movie still yeah. Yeah. well i suppose like like it's it's like uh, this this in in terms of halloween 
fair is like you know it's like disney's halloween treat it's like hocus pocus it's like not scary but it definitely can put you in the season for people who just want like an endless uh intake of fall halloween seasons pumpkins costumes and stuff like that and also like it can really remind you about everything from like commercials for pumpkin patches and stuff like that really reminds you of um halloween's when we were little kids right so that's like like i I like it for that but like yeah no i agree it's not like it's not a scary movie by any stretch of the imagination but um you never know maybe maybe some people might find it scary once you know that the once you know where the movie's going though you're just kind of like waiting for that yeah, I don't know. It is fun, that's for sure. It definitely fits yeah. in with say thirty one days of Halloween, which we're not we're not actually doing that, but it turns out that we've watched a scary movie every day of October so far. So it fits it's, right in with all of that, right? It's it's good to take the pressure off. Um when you mm-hmm. have uh uh when you have like a your list of spooky movies, there could be a lot of pressure to make sure you watch those movies. But if you uh but if you just casually watch them um, we've been doing 31 days of, of Halloween here. And like, let me say every day, it's like a, I'm like, Oh my God, we got to get that movie. And we got to watch that movie. It's a lot of pressure. It's like a gun to the head in a fun way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. that's how it typically is for me too. This year we decided not to really do it, but we ended up kind of, and we just naturally ended up watching Scott Moose Scare every day. Uh, cause we watched Bly Manor. Now Chris has the new Friday 13th collection. So mm. we're watching those, of course. Not that we wouldn't watch those over the Halloween season anyway. We're going to probably hit up some Halloween, of course, and uh, Trick or Treat, which we haven't watched yet, but mm-hmm. those sorts of things. And we like, rewatched Haunt because Chris did that on the show. Mm-hmm. And that Let It Snow movie had come out. Like All sorts of really cool stuff is out, plus things that we traditionally watch every year. So... Mm-hmm just naturally watching the 31 thing. So you guys are actually doing it. You guys are actually doing 31 days of Halloween. We have, we have an orange piece of paper that has our list of 31 horror movies. Today was Chuck Russell's 1988, the blob. Awesome. Oh my God. That's so fun. I love doing 31 days of Halloween actually. And oddly enough, there's many years where I don't really do anything for halloween because every day is halloween kids so this is one of those years where like for my youtube show i'm not doing anything for halloween and some friends Mm -hmm. are doing some things with like watch parties and stuff which i'm gonna attend and uh, murder was the case is doing a thing for halloween which i'm gonna attend but the the big thing that i'm watching for halloween is going to be Merce at Harpies in the Trees. And now Harpies in the Trees is another booktube show, a lot like mine, and a lot better, actually. (laughs) She's way more entertaining, and she has a higher production value. She really knows what she's doing, and she really knows how to push those buttons as far as what is not only entertaining, but eerie at the same time. So she has a premiere coming up on YouTube, so definitely check out Harpies in the Trees if you're like me and not really like doing anything for Halloween. So I'm looking Mm -hmm. forward to that. But other than that, you know, I'm not really doing much, but watching movies for Halloween. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely my favorite thing to do, uh, obviously because of, uh, uh, 
2020 and, and uh, COVID-19, uh, a lot of people are stuck inside for Halloween, if you're wondering um, how to celebrate the season. I mean, I, from a very young age, I stopped going out for Halloween and I, and I um, was Mr. I answered the door and, uh, and I watched horror movies and stuff like that. So, you know, the nice thing about, you know, horror movies and, and, and getting in the mood it's like you can carve a pumpkin and you can sit in your place and you can watch your favorite scary movies and you don't have to worry about a pandemic to do any of that. So, um, wash your pumpkins. Um, yeah. If, yeah. if you don't mind, wash your pumpkins. but, um, but other than that, yeah, like, uh, we're having a pretty chill time. It's going to be, it's 31 days of Halloween and we've kept up, uh, tomorrow is, uh, wreck. And then Grave Encounters. Actually, speaking of Grave Encounters, we're doing that for 31 days because nice. um, because that is a genuinely frightful film. Like that is very intense and scary. So like, and I love it. So looking forward to that and um, lots of really good stuff. And then on Halloween itself, it's a big old marathon. We're just like watching horror movies all day. It's going to just be a constant. Not that we have to sit there glued to the TV, but we we're just going to keep movies going all day. Nice, nice. I am looking forward to having us drop our deadairsplatterpictures.net Halloween special. <laughs> because we yeah. just dropped The Prey and it's nice to be back. So I'm really glad that we're back and I'm glad that we did have something as fun to do for Halloween, Ooh. even though we couldn't sit down and do a commentary. Yeah. Oh, also, there is going to be a Halloween special update of Teresa as well. So. Oh, see? Nice. Yeah, a, a fun little vignette. Like every so often, if, if readers are following Teresa, we do vignettes, which is essentially just like a one-pager. It's not necessarily within continuity. Uh, it gives more color to the characters to, to take a break from the action and stuff like that. And I like we've already gotten it all ready, and it's going to be a Halloween one, so that's going to be fun. Good. I like those. I like those a lot. All right, let's get out of here. I'm Wes Snipe. <laughs> And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to the WNUF Halloween specials of Dead Air. Happy Halloween. On a night when you are on an alark, all alone and so afraid of the dark, that's the time you may encounter your host, who, the rockin' ghost. When the winds are blowing up in the trees And you're feeling kind of weak in the knees Who will follow you from pillar to post? Who? The rocking ghost Luckily, if you want him to get going All you do is say, I dig you the most Ghost then you'll notice he'll be tipping his hat Cause he really is the swing in his cat When he hears you say, I dig you the most Ooh, The rockin' ghost The rockin' ghost, the rockin' ghost The rockin' ghost, the rockin' ghost, the rockin' ghost, 
the rocking ghost. The rocking ghost, the rocking ghost, the rocking ghost, the rocking ghost. The rocking ghost, the rocking ghost. Luckily, if you want him to get going. All you do is say I dig you the most, ghost. Then you'll notice he'll be tipping his hat, cause he really is the swing and his cat. When he hears you say I dig you the most, who? The rocking ghost. The rocking ghost. The rocking ghost. The Rock and Ghost.